Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Wednesday edition of PFTPM. Here we are on Peacock, also Sirius XM 211. Also, last time I checked, this is the one night per week that they take this program live on Sky Sports NFL in the UK and in Ireland. So, Shireen, don't say any swear words, please. I know that I have to be very careful and concerned about that when it comes to you. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Why are you all dressed up today? I Because I... I uh, do you want to know the truth? I'll tell you the truth. I always tell the truth. I was running late, and the shirt that I wore for the morning show and the shirt that I wore for PFT PM's Football Pod in America, which is coming up later this hour, was there. I grabbed it, and I put it on. That's, that's the explanation. That's the amount of thought I put into my wardrobe. Whatever is the closest when I realize, oh, crap, I need to get upstairs for a show, that's what gets worn. And it just so happened it was the same shirt from this morning show and from the football pod in America. So again, if my timeline information is accurate on Sky Sports NFL, this is our number three in a row of me in this shirt from PFT Live to PFT PM. So good afternoon. And now that we've kicked down the fourth wall, let's rebuild it and get back to why we're here. And it's to tell you what's going on in the National Football League. There was an ownership meeting today, another virtual meeting. They do one every quarter. December's meeting had several topics, the most important of which, from my perspective, whether or not they're going to expand the regular season from 16 games to 17. Now, we all viewed it as a no-brainer because the league specifically negotiated with the union and achieved the ability to expand the regular season as soon as next year. They've wanted to expand the regular season for years. So why wouldn't they expand the regular season now that they have the opportunity to do so? All that said, Commissioner Roger Goodell said on a conference call within the past hour or so, that the owners did not take a vote today on expanding the regular season, but they did vote on the scheduling formula that will apply if they ever do vote to expand the regular season. And Shireen, here's the best way I can make sense of this. And and this repeats something from PFT Live, but it also has another wrinkle to it as well. Argument number one, I think it helps the players buy in if the players want it. And as the players recognize that this is a way to help repair the damage financially from the pandemic, they may warm up to the idea of it and say, we want this because we want the salary cap to be higher. We want more money to flow in next year. And this is a way to do it. You play an extra regular season game. It gives the NFL 16 more total games. 256 goes to 272 before we get to the postseason. The other argument is this, and it was sparked by something Goodell said during the conference call, Shereen. The idea that they're currently negotiating with the various networks, the next wave of broadcast contracts, you have to negotiate what people are going to pay for these extra games. So I think it's all part of that same big bundle of money flowing to the NFL. And if you're already negotiating extensions, why not negotiate what will be paid for these extra games? So for those two reasons, I think that's why the NFL is being a little bit coy. I'd be stunned, though, if we don't have 17 regular season games per team next year. 
Yeah, Mike, you and I both were on the call. And first of all, I'm glad you did the math on that because I don't know if I could do, could have done it that quickly. Um, so I'm not sure the math is right. Math. I'm not sure it's not, right. Not my Just street. act like it's right. Just I'll, act like it's right and hope no I'll, one double checks your work. For it. Yeah. All right. Exactly. That's exactly right. But Mike, I am wondering, do you think they're waiting to see what the crowd size might be next year, how COVID is going to play out, how the vaccine is going to play out? Does that play any part you think in this? I mean, TV makes perfect sense, but how much does it play out with the vaccine and COVID and, and, and how the games are going to look next season? I think you're absolutely right. It's part of the broader analysis of how are we going to repair what happened this year financially with very few fans in the grand scheme of things attending these games. And there's been a thought that the salary cap definitely will drop to $175 million per team. That was the negotiated floor. It won't be any lower than that next year, no matter how much money the NFL loses. But there's a thought, now that the vaccine is being distributed, and given where things may go over the course of the next few months, they may be able to project by February or March, hey, we'll have full stadiums come 2021. That's a different analysis to how much money you're going to make next year to offset the losses from this year. And then it's, 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 I just think time benefits the NFL in a variety of ways. What will the money be next year per game when you factor in attendance? What will the salary cap be and how can they best negotiate that with the union? And can they make the union want that 17th game? So you don't have players complaining all year long like they still do from time to time about Thursday night football. The more the players buy in, the better it is for everyone. And then you throw on top of it the looming broadcast negotiation. And I think it makes sense across the board to wait because there's otherwise no reason. And when it first came up that they may wait, the reason that was given, I think it was a report from Sports Business Daily, was the pandemic has potentially, no, the, the, the pandemic itself doesn't make it impractical to play an extra game. They've already proven they can play the whole season or close to it. We don't want to jinx them with three weeks left. It's not about the pandemic causing you to not do it. It's about the pandemic making you want to do it more to make back your money. Yeah, it's always about money, Mike, right? I mean, it, that's the bottom line is how much money did they lose? That's what we don't know. And how much money can they make back by adding that extra game? And this was not something that was required under the, the CBA, but it was allowed. And the NFL can choose to do it whatever year they want to do it. The, the union now doesn't have to approve this. They've agreed to it within the CBA. So the NFL can decide when they're going to do this. And it makes perfect sense that they're waiting. There's no reason today to vote yes on this and say we're adding that extra game. Time is on their side, and they'll use this time to figure out a bunch of things going into 2021. And one thing that we do know now, and we reported this earlier, because the commissioner hinted at the reality and hint at it. He said they agreed on a formula for the schedule when they go to 17 games. Here's what it will be. And this very quickly becomes complicated. I'll try to make it as simple as possible. Already, every team in any NFL division plays all four teams from another division every year, and it rotates. The Cowboys, for example, as I see the Roger Staubach jersey in the background, they and the other three teams of the NFC East play all four teams from an AFC division. This year, it's all four teams of the AFC North. The Cowboys play all four. Washington plays all four. The Eagles play all four. The Giants play all four. That will continue. The 17th game 
will be an extra interconference game from one of the other three divisions, and that will also rotate, where first place from the NFC East plays first place from, for example, the AFC South, second place plays second place, third place plays third place, fourth place plays fourth place. And as it works out, without getting too deep into the weeds here, currently the 16-game formula, Shereen, has only two games that really hinge on where you finished the prior year. Two games per year. It's against two other teams in the conference based on where they finish. First place plays the other two first place teams. And then for the third division, you play all four of them. That's how it rotates in the conference. Those two games now get expanded to three, which is good for the bad teams. Because, for example, if you're, uh, uh, let's say, the, the, the Cowboys, which will be the worst team in the NFC East. Let's say next year, the the division where you do one plays one, two plays two, et cetera, is the AFC South. The Cowboys get the Jaguars and the team that wins the division is going to get the Titans or the Colts. So that's one more game where some strength of schedule is built in. So I like that aspect of it. And it is going to give us every year multiple games where division champions are playing division champions, which can be put in prime time, which should be good games, which could be Super Bowl rematches. Uh, so I, I think I think I like what they're doing with this 17th game. I love it, Mike. And, you know, you have certain teams that only get to see each other once every four years, and, and that's not enough. I mean, this year the Cowboys-Steelers game was was not what the Cowboys-Steelers game has been, but those two teams have played some great regular season games, and you want to see that more often. And there's a bunch of those games you want to see more often between NFC an NFC team and an AFC team, and we don't get to see that. You know, Tom Brady uh, playing against Aaron Rodgers hasn't happened very much because Tom Brady spent most of his career in the AFC. So all those things are great to see. And, and I want to see more of that. I want to see more of NFC teams against AFC teams. So I absolutely love that that's what they decided to do with this. I know Peter King and others have been a proponent of something that is more set. So it's every year, Eagles-Steelers every year, or Eagles-Cowboys every year, where you've got a rival from the other conference that you're guaranteed to play every year. Well, what do you do in the year where you're playing all four teams from that team's division? Do you play them twice? I think it gets impractical. This will be more of an automatic formula. And and there's no guarantee, for example, that the Cowboys and Steelers will, will face each right. other other than once every four years. But there is a chance now, a one in four chance, we'll see them twice every four years with a guaranteed minimum of once every four years. So I like it. It's more football and it's going to be good teams against good teams. And those good games will likely be standalone that we can enjoy. And hopefully they'll be like the game that we saw on Monday night, the team that won on Monday night, the Baltimore Ravens, more issues with COVID-19 two starting receivers, Marquise Brown and miles Boykin placed on the COVID-19 reserve list, along with another player from the receiver position, which, uh, happened because they had, according to reports, close contact with a coach who tested positive. So this shouldn't be the beginning of a spread if the players weren't positive. But just as we get on the other side, Shireen, of the Ravens outbreak, and we've kind of forgotten about it, here we go again. We got to worry about the Ravens for the next few days. 
Yeah, and they did get Des Bryant back this week. I think that's positive news for them, Mike, and hopefully they get these players back, and they are on the other side of it. But every time now something comes up with the Ravens, you kind of pause and go, uh-oh, are they at it again? Is this going to be another outbreak uh, in Baltimore? And we certainly hope not. We certainly hope that these guys continue to test negative, and if they do, I, I would expect that they would be back for Sunday's game. Lamar Jackson, by the way, repeating his position and I have no reason to dispute it other than the fact that it's funny to dispute it. He had cramps on Monday night when he was in the locker room for an extended stretch. He believes that the cramps may have been attributed to his recent bout with COVID-19. There was one point today, Shireen, where I saw trending on Twitter in all caps, fractured throat. And it made me curious, what in the heck is happening that fractured throat is trending? Frank Ragnall, the Lions center, may miss this week with a fractured throat. Now, there's nothing in your throat to fracture. You can injure your larynx, and I once got hit with a tiny little medicine ball that went through my hands and went into my throat, and that is very concerning because it can swell up and you can have a serious medical issue, and it's amazing how you how vulnerable you are in that area from you know shoulders to under your chin, but a fractured throat sounds painful, sounds serious, but it sounds like uh, it may not keep him out for more than a week, but we'll see. If you've got a serious larynx injury, though, I can't imagine playing football unless they come up. I guess you take the old, the old, uh, the old Steve Grogan neck collar and like turn it around. I guess that's what you'd have to do. Do you, you remember when Henry Anderson uh, of the Colts, the defensive end for the Colts in 2017, had something similar and he needed surgery on his, and that kept him out seven games. And he said, you know, if he had kept playing, it would have meant death. Now, you know, it could have meant if he had gotten hit and hit there again because he wouldn't have been able to breathe. But I don't know if Frank Ragnall is going to need surgery or not. If he doesn't, um, you know, he'll probably be back in there. He was tough. You know, Chase Daniels said today that it happened early in that game. And he all he said, he didn't tell him what had happened. He just said that he couldn't talk and he needed Chase Daniel and, and Matthew Stafford, who was whoever was in there at quarterback uh, to set the protections because he couldn't talk. And they had no idea. They said at the time it was funny, but it's certainly not funny now when you find out exactly what he played through. But, again, anytime I think people question the toughness of these guys, you see something like this and you go, oh, my gosh, these guys are as tough as, as anybody in a, anywhere um, to get out there and play through some of the things they play through. And it seems like the offensive linemen are the ones who do it most often and they do it most quietly. They just go do it period, no matter what, and they find a way to play. Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, has a sprained ankle on top of the hamstring injury. Joe Judge, the coach of the Giants today, declined to say who would start this weekend. Decision hasn't been made between Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy. Of course, that game in primetime on NBC. Browns, Giants, a game with significant playoff implications for both teams. Finally, Alex Smith didn't practice today for the Washington football team. He says he feels all right, but he's uncertain if he can play Sunday. He's got a calf injury. Coach Ron Rivera said Sunday that Alex Smith was removed for the second half of the game as a precaution, but, you know, this is something we're going to have to watch all week, and it could be Dwayne Haskins. As Washington tries to hold on to first place in the NFC East, they have to continue to stay, Sharina, game ahead of the Giants because if they end up tied, the Giants swept Washington, they would win the division. What a weird year it's been for NFC East quarterbacks, um, Mike. But, you know, both of these teams need a healthy quarterback out there playing. They're actually competing for the division title. And the Eagles, frankly, may be the best team right now in the division with, with a healthy Jalen Hurts with what he did last week. But 
these teams, especially Washington, is in control, and it and it it wins out. It's going to go on and and be in the playoffs. It leads the NFC East at this point. So they need Alex Smith to play if he can. But it's always much better, Mike. I think when you have a quarterback behind him that's 100%. If he's not 100%, can't protect himself. In Daniel Jones's case, they should have started Colt McCoy last week. And if Alex Smith isn't 100% and can't go, they need to start Dwayne Haskins. I realize he hasn't been great for you, but you got to trust him that he's better 100% than Alex Smith would be on one leg. All right, we're going to take a break. Football Pod in America coming up at the end of the show. For now, we will pause, and when we return, some of the best questions from today's mailbag when PFTPM resumes. Right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, some questions for today. Left Coast Fin Fan via Twitter asks this, Shireen. Better GM opening. Lions? Or Texans, which one would you want? Well, I'm going to go the third choice, Mike. I know what you're going to say to this, but I'm going to go the third choice to say the Jaguars, which was a part of the question. But they're going to have a top two pick, get a chance at a quarterback who can be a difference maker. They have two first round picks, two second round picks, two fourth round picks. I love what they have in Jacksonville if they do it the right way. But if I'm just choosing between these two teams, I'm going to agree with you because I know this is what you're going to say. They have a franchise quarterback in Houston, so I'm going to go with Houston. Even though they don't have much cap space next season, they don't have many draft picks next season. I, I, I'm going to take the Lions, frankly, between the Lions and the wow. Texans. Unless, I know, uh, unless huh. I know that I will not have to worry about Jack Easterby putting his nose into whatever it is that I'm trying to do. I want to know exactly what his role is, what his influence is. He has been building power there, and it has become essentially a Game of Thrones situation, as it was explained in the SI.com article last week about how he has built power. I want to know where he fits, and I want to know if I can tell him to sit down and shut up or if I can tell him you're fired if necessary. I want him reporting to me. I don't want to be reporting to him, and I don't want to have him in a position where he's got a separate line right to the owner 
so he can complain to the owner about me not doing my job if he wants to get me fired at some point. So that would be an impediment for me. I want to know exactly where he stands and I want to have power over him because otherwise I have to worry about him exercising power over me. Jerry F. and Judy wants to know, will the Lions move on from Matthew Stafford? They need to tear it all down and rebuild over the next couple of years. Send Stafford to Denver. Good defense, solid O-line, and young playmakers that need his guidance. Based upon the Twitter handle, this sounds like somebody who's a Broncos fan trying to finagle, hey, Lions, we got an idea for you here. You should tear it all down. Oh, what are you going to do with Matthew Stafford? Well, you know, if you're going to get rid of him, we'd potentially be interested. I think he could go somewhere like a Denver, like a Colts, what Phillip Rivers did, and succeed and be successful. Whether he win a Super Bowl or not, I don't know. Whether he won a playoff game even, I don't know. But I do think he needs a fresh start, and I think it would be good for him and good for Detroit. And, you know, I think the only impediment there is, is if Darren Bevel gets that job, does he want to keep Matthew Stafford? And that's what we don't know. But but I think Matthew Stafford could use a fresh start. I think he would be really good somewhere else in an offense that that really fits him uh, with some playmakers. And, and Denver would certainly be a place where I think he could go and succeed with a good defense and a good running game. Yeah, and, and look, there, there's a, a definitely a Game of Thrones element to many things that happen in the NFL. And I could see a new GM and a new head coach in Detroit keeping Matthew Stafford for a year to evaluate what he does. Let's see how he operates with a new coaching staff, with with players that the new GM would bring in. You've got him under contract. And it would give you essentially a scholarship year because then you more fully implement your systems in 2022. And if the team stinks in 2021, it's not going to be because of the quarterback you brought in. It's the quarterback that you inherited. And then you can move forward after that. So there's always that kind of element. Do you buy yourself a red shirt year by if you're a GM sticking with the coach, if you're the coach and a GM sticking with the quarterback. So I think that's definitely something to be considered once the dust settles on who the new coach and the new GM are. And the other side of it too, and, and you know, people don't give this the kind of of credence it deserves. The quarterback has some say in this. Arthur Blank was candid about that earlier this year after the Falcons fired the GM and the head coach. If the quarterback doesn't want to be there, if he's determined to get out, you don't want to proceed under those circumstances because if he's not all in and being essentially a, a supervisor among the workers, which is what a quarterback is expected to do, act like you're a coach but go out there and be a player, makes it hard to have the best possible team. You got to have that guy showing up early, staying late and holding his teammates accountable, Shereen. You know, both of those guys, you just mentioned Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford are are just good enough to get coaches fired. And that's not, not a knock on them. It's just those teams think they have a quarterback in place. And of course, Matt Ryan won the MVP award. So they feel like that they should win with that quarterback. And when they don't, the coach gets fired. And it's happened three times now in Detroit with Matthew Stafford and they, and they can't win with him. And that's when you start thinking, Hey, maybe it's time we move on at the quarterback position, but sometimes it's just hard to do that when you've committed all this money to the quarterback and you think he's your franchise guy. And we know that starting over with the quarterback's never easy either. Final question, a very important one, Alex 
Evanson <laughs> wants to know if Kiss has a Christmas album. Of course, I grew up a big Kiss fan. I still periodically from time to time will fire up some of the old songs for nostalgia reasons, mainly because, frankly, the music isn't all that good. It's the the spectacle of the fire and the lights and the explosions that as a, you know, as a 10-year-old kid, Make you up. get fascinated by it. Now, technically, I would say they do have a Christmas album because I assume that their special Kiss Saves Christmas from the Family Guy TV show had a soundtrack with it. So that would be the Kiss Christmas album, even though it doesn't exist and that's all fictional. So, yes, there is a Kiss Christmas album, the soundtrack to Kiss Saves Christmas from Family Guy. Other than that, I'm not aware of a Christmas album for Kiss, but maybe they should maybe they should not consider a Christmas album at this point. Let's take a break. I'm very intrigued by what's coming up next because I have no idea what this means. Jalen Hurts just wants to be a coffee bean. That's next here on PFTPM. Trying to do my job to my best abilities. Um, and doing that, impacting people, bringing people up around me. You know, I, I always take somebody with you um, and just create that camaraderie, you know, that community. Um, and, 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 and all those things, all those characteristics, they're all contagious. So just, just trying to, you know, be a coffee bean. Jalen Hurts trying to be a coffee bean. Shereen, any guess on what it means for him to say he's trying to be a coffee bean? I actually know what it means because he used the same phrase at Oklahoma. So I I remembered what it was when he was at Oklahoma and used that phrase. So I'm not going to spoil it because I think we have that sound bite from him. But I'm not a coffee drinker, Mike. Are you? August 2019, Jalen Hurts explaining why he wants to be a coffee bean. There you go. When I say coffee bean, you got the carrot, um, you eat the egg. You, know, you put an egg in boiling water, it hardens up. Well, it doesn't affect anything. The carrot softens up. The coffee bean spreads and gets stronger and, and impacts the people around you. You know, try to be that coffee bean. I'm not sure I understand that, though. I thought a coffee bean like melted and disintegrated in hot water. I don't know. I, I, I don't I don't deal with coffee beans. Coffee beans get ground up and turned into coffee. That's what coffee beans do. Right. Yeah, exactly. Mike, I, I think he was trying to say it turns into something really good when it's put in hot water and a carrot is not good in boiling water and an egg turns into something else when you put it in hot water. I don't know, but. I kind of liked it, actually, and and I, I guess it's something he uses all the time. Hey, whatever it takes, you know, we, we hear uh, what the uh, iron strengthens iron and <laughs> and the hottest the hottest flame forges the strongest steel. We've been hearing that for years. I hadn't heard about the coffee bean thing, so it's new. It's different. I like it. And we like Jalen Hurts because he's new and he's improved over what we had seen from the Philadelphia Eagles at the quarterback position as they try to do what they did last year. Make that late run to the postseason, winning the games that they have to win down the stretch and maybe getting to the playoffs. It won't be easy this year, though. They have to jump two teams, not one. We need to take a break. Shereen and I are going to say goodbye. I'll be back with Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison for this week's edition of Football Pod in America coming up next right here on PFTPM. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. My favorite time of the week, every Wednesday, it's Football Pod in America. And today, there's just three of us. No Mike Tirico, no Liam McHugh. I don't know whether or not they have cramps. That's not my department to try to figure out. But it is Coach Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison. And we're going to take you through some of the stories in the NFL. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you today? Doing well. Cramps seem to be a good excuse for missing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of uh, what ended up being the game of the year, due in part to Lamar Jackson overcoming his bout with cramps, as we move forward after that 47 42 victory by Baltimore that kept their playoff hopes alive, who do you guys feel better about between those two teams? Coach, I'll start with you. Baltimore or Cleveland, who do you feel better about? (sighs) I think I might feel a little bit better about Cleveland. Uh, Baltimore, they had some injuries. Maybe they get some of their guys back. Um, that'll help their defense. Both sides, I'm worried about the defense. When you give up 40-plus points, uh, that never makes me feel good. But I, I saw Cleveland come back, bounce back. Lamar Jackson's obviously special. But uh, I, I think Cleveland might be in better shape down the road. Coach, I agree with you, and I think Kevin Stefanski, he's done a wonderful job working with Baker Mayfield, and we saw that, the Baker Mayfield that we were waiting on to come out there and compete, lead his team, and I just thought he was absolutely terrific. So I I give a lot of props to Kevin Stefanski really um, getting that confidence back in Baker Mayfield, Mike. They have proven over the last couple of games, the Browns have, that they can compete with the best teams around. Even though the Ravens have been struggling, they were desperate. And to give the Ravens that kind of a game on a night when the Ravens were essentially playing an early playoff game was impressive. You couple that with the win over the Tennessee Titans, and I think the Cleveland Browns are moving in the right direction. And I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch of the Browns and the Ravens in the postseason. We also may get, guys, a rematch of the Ravens and the Steelers in the postseason. I don't know how I'd feel about this one if there's a round three because I don't know how to feel about the Steelers right now. Coach, are they in trouble after losing two in a row? I'm with you on that, Mike. I don't like where the Steelers are right now because I think they've lost their identity Um, for years and years and years. Hey, we're going to be physical. We're going to be tough on defense. We're going to pound the football and make big plays in the passing game. The big plays have, have kind of vanished, and there's no running game. 
so when I see a Steeler team that's running 12 times, 14 times, they're running for under 40 yards a game, I don't think that's a winning formula in Pittsburgh in January. And you look at you look on the defensive side of the ball, coach, and you know you saw all those injuries, and it was evident that they're missing their guys. And if they can't create pressure, if they can't create turnovers, we already know they can't run the ball, or at least they don't even attempt to run the ball. It's all Big Ben. So if Big Ben, if he's not almost perfect, then they're going to struggle. And they got some young guys dealing with some confidence issues. Mike Tomlin has to get back to being physical, his personality, running the football, and um, getting these guys back on track. And you're right, I don't know. Go ahead. I was gonna say, defensively, when you take out your three top middle linebackers uh, because of injury, or Vince Williams was gone because of COVID, but then Bud Dupree, your second best pass rusher, your best corner in Joe Hayden, it's tough to overcome all that. Now, they'll get Hayden back, hopefully, uh, they'll get Spillane back, but they, they've had a lot of losses on that defense. And when you look at their schedule over the past few weeks, they were supposed to play on Thanksgiving. It got postponed three times before they ultimately played it. They had three games in 12 days. They haven't had a normal week. And Randy Fickner, the offensive coordinator, suggested when they have the benefit of a normal week, maybe they'll be something on the offense better than what we've seen. But, Coach, I don't understand what's going on. Running game has been such a central part of the Pittsburgh offense for all these years. I don't know whether or not they're deliberately getting away from it. Is it happening during the game? Is the quarterback audibling out of run plays? This is something that at some point you think the head coach has to come in and and like Mo and the Three Stooges, clunk some heads together and get this all figured out. I, I thought we would really see it in our game Sunday night. Marquise Pouncey, their all-pro center, was back. James Conner was back. Buffalo, their Achilles heel is run defense. If there was ever a time to be set up to run the football, it was Sunday night, and we didn't see it. We saw the continuation of the short passing game, ton of passes, very little running, and again, that, that is just not the formula to win in Pittsburgh in playoff weather and playoff time. Coach, you just hit it. It was coming out of my mouth. You talk about the weather, and we saw how Pittsburgh, when the weather was, you know, the wind and the snow and all those different things, it, it started to really affect Big Ben. So you know the weather's going to continue to change, especially in Pittsburgh when they go on a road. If they have to, once they go on a road and have to go, whether they go to Kansas City or wherever they have to go, they're going to have to deal with the weather. So yeah, that's a that's a big problem for them. They're going to have to make sure they can run the football. <clears throat> One of the big issues for the Steelers offense has been receivers dropping passes. And I love the perspective you guys bring to this because we have a coach, we have a former player. So here's my question. When you have this issue with receivers who, despite these gloves that are so great, supposedly you never drop a pass, they're dropping pass after pass after pass. Coach, what do you do to handle that problem in your locker room? And Rodney, when you're a defensive back and you know there's a receiver who's got an issue dropping the football, how do you deal with him? Coach, what do you say? Yeah. Well, you, you really have to get it going. And uh, Eric Ebron, he's had trouble with drops his entire career in the NFL. He had trouble with drops in, in Detroit and in Kansas City. Uh, Deontay Johnson, it, it's something that's happening this year. These guys are trying to run with it before they catch it. They've got good hands. Some guys are going to drop the ball because they don't have good hands. But Johnson has good hands. So it's a concentration thing. You just have to work on it, and you just have to say that drops are not acceptable. We're not going to play you if you drop the ball. 
Coach, you've, you've heard of alligator arms, and that's what I see. These guys are coming across the middle. They want no part of coming across that middle, middle and catching the ball, especially a, guy, a little guy like Deontay Johnson. But, Mike, if I see a guy like him, I'm walking up past him, you know, during pregame warm-ups and saying, you come across that middle, I'm going to knock your head off. I'm talking trash to him. <laughs> hey, remember about the drops. I'm busting his chops. Every chance I get to remind him, I'm reminding him, hey, what's up, Butterfingers? Hey, you got any oil on those gloves? I'm talking smack. <laughs> well, I talked to uh, Leslie uh, Frazier, the, the Bills defensive coordinator, before the game, and he said that's all they worked on. It's, it's all short passing. We're going to make the tackles. we got to come up and be physical. And I'm sure they were saying the same thing. Hey, we're on you guys, and we know you're going to catch these five-yard routes, and we're going to blast you. And, and I, I think you're right, Rodney. That may be what happened. And that's one of the points Chris Sims has been making on the morning show. He says the Steelers has become predictable in their predictableness, which I'm still not sure is an actual word, but we've been <laughs> using it because when you know the pa- that the passing game is going to be four and five yards, the defensive backs can get a, a head of steam and you know you're going to get that hit as you try to run with the ball. And it, it may cause you to have that just enough of a lapse of concentration, coach, that the ball comes out of your hands. And that's that. And let me, let me say so this, coach, real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, coach. Real, real quick. And, you know, it's funny because when we played you guys and you guys had all those weapons, we felt like if we played man to man coverage, if we jammed you, if we were physical with you guys, we could get you in a situation where the weather could be a factor where then we could take away a lot of the short intermediate routes and then try to force you guys to throw the ball down the field. So I think you're spot on with that, Mike. Yeah. <clears throat> The Steelers lost, of course, to the Buffalo Bills, which is nothing to be ashamed of. The Bills have been playing so well lately. They're probably in a position where they could beat almost anyone. Rodney, since you have so many fans now in Buffalo, I'll start with you on this. Do you believe the Bills are for real? Yeah, I, trust me. I, I Coach, how, how many weeks in a row did I talk positive <laughs> about the Buffalo Bills? I talked about Leslie Frazier. I talked about their secondary. Heck, even earlier in the year, I talked about Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde being, you know, one of the best safety tandems in the National Football League. But all of a sudden, everybody jumps on the Bills bandwagon. I pitch, picked the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now they're killing me. Bills Mafia. But all I can say is this, Coach. I just look at my two Super Bowl rings, and I'm just wondering when when the Buffalo Bills catch up with as many rings as I got. I, I just don't know when they can catch up. Well, I, I'm not going to answer that one, but I was the one that was a little hesitant because early in the year it seemed like when, when Buffalo had a chance, when they could prove it to me, they came up a little short. You know, Tennessee didn't have a practice week and, and beat them. And the, the Rams, it was a screwy fourth down pass interference that kind of let them off the hook in that game. But lately, they've been meeting the challenges. They've been meeting the tests, and I'm starting to believe in the Bills. You know, they started off 4-0, and everyone was feeling good about them, including themselves. They got hit in the mouth by the Titans, followed up by the Chiefs, and I think they got knocked wobbly, and they started to wonder, where are we here? Now that we get in December, and they have three games in primetime, they have that that other game that's going to be Saturday afternoon on NFL Network, so it's a national platform. People get to see what they can do, and I feel like they're rising to that moment. And, Coach, isn't this the time of year where you want a team to rise up and show what it can do as you're getting closer and closer to the playoffs? You want to be at your best in December, and I think they are. They are peaking, but I still go back to that Tennessee game, that Kansas City game, where, boy, it just didn't look like they could compete with those teams. 
the Rams, they played well, but, you know, they, they won that one kind of in a fluky way. Uh, Arizona, they played well and lost in a fluky way. So um, I, I think they're a very good team. I'm not quite sure if they're there yet to be, to be put with the Kansas City, Green Bay, New Orleans just quite yet. I, you know, I, I think Buffalo's a really good team. The thing that really, and I like what Leslie Frazier has done, made his team a defense a lot more aggressive. And a, since he's allowed them to be aggressive, they're making plays. They're playing with confidence. And even if they give up a couple plays, they never panic. And their inability to consistently run the football, I think they have solid backs. There's nothing really great about their running back position. Um, I, I think that's going to be something where in the playoffs, if they can't consistently run the football now, everything goes back to Josh Allen. He feels like he has to do everything. And a lot of times, if Stephon Diggs, if he's double covered, he's still giving them opportunity. So I like Buffalo. Buffalo's a tough team. Josh Allen is the real deal. He's that dude. Um, but, you know, they still have some issues that I'm concerned about. And the reality in the AFC, the Chiefs are clearly the dominant team and everyone else is just trying to keep up and maybe prove that they could upset the Chiefs in the postseason. In the NFC, we never know what's going on. One week it's this team, one week it's that team, then it's this team. Where are we right now, Coach, from your perspective? Who rank the top three teams in the NFC right now? You know, I, I really am leaning towards the Rams because I think they're playing the best defense. I like their defense, their aggressiveness. They can run the football. Uh, Rodney will point out to me, I'm sure, that they're going to get inconsistent quarterback play from Jared Goff. When he's hot, they can beat anybody. When he's off, obviously they struggle, but they can run the ball and play defense. Green Bay can score. They can run the ball. They can throw it. Their defense is up and down to me. New Orleans, I thought, was the most balanced team. But I see some cracks in their defense, and they, they play. Sometimes they don't concentrate. And that Philadelphia game, uh, they gave up a lot of yardage that, that shouldn't have happened. Uh, right? We were going to break down a play, and we didn't have time on Sunday night where uh, linebacker just goes the wrong way. All he's got to do is slide to, to his gap, and it's a no-game play. He goes in the back door, tries to make a big play in the backfield, and it's a 75-yard touchdown pass. I see that a little too much from the New Orleans defense. Guys, I look at it this way, and with, with everything that's happened with COVID and one team having a home field advantage and everybody else has to play, um, I, I look at Green Bay. There's no way Aaron Rodgers is giving up that home field advantage. There's no way that number one seed at his age and how valuable to be able to rest, and not only just rest for that week, but to be able to have teams come in and have to play in Lambeau Field. You think the Green Bay, you think the um, Saints want to come out from the Dome and play in that cold weather? You think the Rams want to come and play in 20 or 10 degree weather? They don't. So to me, I understand, you know, the Rams are probably a more complete team. If Jared Goff is hot, that's fine. Drew Brees is going to come back. Taysom Hill is actually playing well enough, and it wasn't about Taysom Hill, but he's playing well enough. They could have won that game. It was more so the defense. But, yeah, I, I just don't think anybody's going to beat the Packers for that number one seed. It's too valuable, Mike. The thing about when we get to the postseason, though, we've seen this with the Packers. We've seen it with the Saints. They're prone to lapses when you expect them to show up and play well. They just pick a day where, for whatever reason, they're not ready to go. And when we think about all the, 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 the things we've learned over the years about January football, championship football, what do you hear? You hear defense and running game, defense and running game. And the Rams have the defense and the running game. And it may be like the 49ers last year where they turned their quarterback into Bob Greasy. 
and minimize him <laughs> and just ride coach the defense in the running game. And yeah. and they if as Cam Akers has developed into their new workhorse, they're, they're less prone to having that lapse where you see one of those games like what happened to them today if they're relying on Aaron Donald and company and Cam Akers as the centerpiece of their offense. No, I agree. That, that defense is legit. They will not go into any game feeling like they have to score 30 points to win. And uh, that, that's a good feeling. They can win low-scoring games. Um, I, I just like the way they're playing. I think they're pretty complete. And, you know, just looking at the Rams' defense, too, we always talk about Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. But it's not just Aaron Donald. I've been screaming at the last few weeks, the last month. It's not just Aaron Donald making plays. Brockers and those guys, um, Leonard Floyd, they're getting after the quarterback. They're making plays. Jordan Fuller is making plays on the back end. So I think this is a collective group. And, and they're, you're right, Coach. They're playing extremely well. But, you know, I still have my reservations when it comes to Jared Goff. And if if they want to go to the Super Bowl, it's not going to be just playing good defense and running the football. He's going to have to throw for 300-plus. He's going to have to make sure, you know, three touchdowns, no interceptions. He's going to have to have really good games for them to advance. Somebody from the NFC East is still going to make it to the playoffs and host a playoff game. And the good news is the NFC East teams have quietly gotten better. And we actually may see a team at 500, who knows, by the time we get through week 17. But right now, who do we think is going to win that division? And I get the feeling that so much of that is going to be driven by who gets the best quarterback play. Coach, who do you think it's going to be? It really is. And I think Washington right now, uh, I think even Dwayne Haskins, if he goes in the way they're playing now, he doesn't have to do it all. He doesn't have to be great. He just has to be okay. Uh, Daniel Jones is not healthy. And when he's not healthy, that takes away a lot of what he does best. So I, I think the Giants had a good formula going, but they're struggling right now. We'll see them Sunday night and see if Jones is a little bit better. Philadelphia got very good quarterback play last week, and they look like a different team. But I think Washington, with their defense, their ability to run the ball, uh, and whether it's Alex Smith or Haskins playing good football, I think they're the team to beat. See, Coach, I don't think I don't believe that you can interchange these two quarterbacks. I just think that Alex Smith is a different, like he's on a different level mentally. The way he, the knowledge of the offense and the trust level, you know, when you put him back there, when you have Haskins back there, eventually he's going to have to make a play. He's going to have to step up and make plays. It's not like their offense is that good where he doesn't have to do anything. So, yeah, the defense is really good. The front four, they creating turnovers and they're doing things like that. But what happens if they don't, if they're not able to create a turnover is Haskins. I don't believe in Haskins. I just flat out don't. So if, 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 if Alex Smith, if he's able to play, I trust him. I believe he's going to take care of the football. I believe that each week that he plays, he's building confidence through with his injury and everything that's going on. But with Haskins, he scares the living crap out of me. And Alex Smith has so much experience. He's played in big games. He knows what it means. He knows what the stakes are. And and he's just so happy to be back after going through one of the worst injuries we've ever seen. I continue to be fascinated, though, by what the Eagles have done with Jalen Hurts because it was just a week ago that longtime center Jason Kelsey came out and essentially said it doesn't matter because it's been a failure of the entire offense players coaches everyone so I'm thinking well all we're going to find out is it's not the quarterback's fault because Jalen Hurts isn't going to be any better than Carson Wentz and then he ends up being tremendous and as I look at week 17 all due respect to the Giants the Eagles in Washington play and I hope that it comes down to that game 
to determine the playoff spot because that would be, even though the, the winner of the division may be sub-500, that would be a great game, Coach, to determine who gets that home playoff game. And I'm not going to rule out the winner of that game automatically uh, uh, losing. I'm not going to assume they're automatically going to lose the next week in the wild card round. I agree with you. We saw what Philadelphia with a rejuvenated offense did against New Orleans, who was supposed to be the best team in the NFC. And I'll say this, Doug Peterson called a different game Sunday with Jalen Hurts in there. And we saw that during their Super Bowl run. Carson Wentz was playing very good football, but when Nick Foles went in, Doug Peterson tailored that offense to Nick Foles. They got the RPO game and the things that Foles did really, really well, and they went all the way to the Super Bowl. It seemed like this year for Wentz, they were just dialing up plays and letting him make things happen. But for uh, for their rookie quarterback, for Hurts, they, they structured some things. We had some zone reads, some read options, some design quarterback sweeps, some rollout passes where he was just looking at one receiver and throwing the ball or taking off running. And they did what he did best. And I think if he continues to do that, that offense will move. And the thing that stood out to me is when Miles Sanders came out and he talked about leadership. I mean, this is Jalen Hurts' first start. And he talked about the leadership. So it had to be such a great like it, it had to be so big in that huddle as far as his leadership for him to come out and say that and as long as Carson Wentz has been playing guys have you ever heard of anybody come out and talk about Carson's Wentz leadership I didn't hear that and it's so hard as a young quarterback to get gain the trust and the faith of your teammates and the confidence of your teammates so I, I just think that Jalen Hurts moving forward and it's going to be somewhat up and down because he's still learning the system and they still have the same weapons that they have but clearly when he's the quarterback he's decisive he's not intimidated the moment's not too big and he is an athlete he's a big athlete and he's not afraid and he sees the entire field it's just a completely different feel I know I know the Eagles they're sitting up there in their, their little fancy offices up top and they're trying to figure out like what the heck are we going to do because we blew it because Jalen Hurts is going to be a lot better quarterback than Carson Wentz I think we can all see that now speaking of the Eagles and the team they beat last week the Saints that put them in position where it's going to be harder to get the number one seed and their next challenge is the Kansas City Chiefs coming to the Dome this weekend Drew Brees likely won't be playing it'll be Taysom Hill again with Patrick Mahomes and company and, look, even though the Saints are among the best teams the NFC has to offer, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. Coach, do we think that the Saints can get this victory, or is this a situation where Patrick Mahomes and all the weapons he has at his disposal once again do whatever it takes, like we've seen them do week in and week out, to get the win? Well, the interesting thing for me is going to be Taysom Hill, and we praise Taysom Hill, and he really has done a good job. But you have to remember, a lot of those games, they're playing, and they're playing ahead. Uh, if we get 17 points, our defense is playing lights out. That, that's all we need. This is a game where if their defense plays well, they might give up 27 points. So this is a game where that offense is going to have to put up some points. There's going to be pressure to score. And I, I want to see how the whole offense and Taysom Hill respond in that situation. Yeah, I'm looking at Saints defense coordinator Dennis Allen. He did not have his team ready, his defense ready to play against Jalen Hurts. And he's going to have to deal with all these weapons. He's going to have to deal with, you know, uh, Mahomes running around, making all these incredible throws. So 
Um, I'm really looking forward to some individual matchup. Like, who matches up with Travis Kelsey? Do you get Chauncey Gardner-Johnson? Is it Malcolm Jenkins? I just don't know if they have enough in the secondary. So I'm looking at those guys up front, Davenport, they, Rankins, they have to, Sheldon Rankins, they have to get after the quarterback and, and cause um, pressure to Patrick Mahomes if they're going to win this game. And it's not easy to do with Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. It's not like he can double both guys, and they're both having huge seasons. And, Coach, like you said, what it comes down to is they're going to score their points. You have to find a way to score more. And with Taysom Hill, that's going to mean throwing the ball more. And we've seen him develop as a passer. We know that he can run the ball. They've got plenty of weapons. This is going to challenge Sean Payton to be as creative as he's ever been. And he came out after that loss to the Eagles. And he said, this is on me. I didn't have my guys ready to play. You rarely see Sean Payton not have his guys ready to play in consecutive weeks, Coach. No, they'll be ready to play. Obviously, for the Chiefs, they've had that game circled for a long time. But the Chiefs have lost one game in almost uh, a little over a year. And that was a game where the Raiders scored 40 points. So that, to me, is what's going to have to happen. Sean's going to have to get his creative hat going, come up with some things, move the football, and have a 30- to 35-point game in order to win. Hey, Coach, you know the one thing that he has to do? He has to stay patient with the run game. I think Alvin Kamara had 11 touches um, in the run game, and that's just not enough. you got to be able to run the football and don't get in this situation where you're trying – it's a personal you know, pride thing where you're trying to just do something that you normally don't do on offense. Run the football, use Alvin Kamara, hit him in the flat, and force these guys to tackle in the open field. Then you can negate – you know, um, the pass rush and all these guys, you know, all these different exotic blitzes that Kansas City does. But what oh, happened, Philadelphia got Go ahead. ahead in that game. Philadelphia got ahead, and I think that's when Sean kind of triggers, hey, we got to score, we got to catch up, we got to throw. And I could see that happening. If Kansas City has a couple drives and they score, I could see the Saints just going pass, pass, pass. And you're right, that's not the way to play Kansas City. Yeah. That game's coming up late afternoon, and we've got the evening game. See you later, Dallas Cowboys. You've been flexed out. Browns and Giants <laughs> flexed in. I can't wait to watch the Browns again after Monday night. I'll put the Browns in primetime every week the way they've been playing. Guys, it's been fun as always, and thanks to everyone out there for uh, some of your time today. We'll see you next time on PFTPM and Football Pod in America. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.